The salad days line is from this one. Oh yeah. That's fun, right? That is fun. My salad days. Yeah. Like my greener mm-hmm. time. Yeah. Like when I was younger. Yeah. Whenever I eat a salad, I think, gosh, this is like my salad days. Only young people are allowed to eat salad. Aren't you old people don't eat salad. They don't talk about it. There's a certain age where you're not allowed to eat salad anymore. No one's talking about this. Yeah. It's the law. Just, I'm just waiting until... Like, I like salad. Salad's fine. But if, if someone was like, you're not allowed to eat salad anymore, it would honestly come as a... a relief. Kind of a relief. Yeah. Because I would be like, anytime someone limits your options of what you can eat, I feel only gratitude. All. Hello, no. gentle. Pa- what, 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 what is it? <laughs> Yours is noble patrons. I and don't mine know. Is gen- no, we're changing it now. Hello, noble patrons. Hello, gentles all. And welcome to what you will. I have to say well, that we one. just traded them. Usually, <laughs> I say the second one. I usually say what you will. You usually say a tedious and brief Shakespeare podcast. Oh yeah. How did? Okay. Take three. Take three. This time we'll get it. You, you usually start it. Wait, no, we're doing it backwards. Okay. Yeah. Hello, noble patrons. Hello, gentles all. And welcome to What You Will. <laughs> A tedious and brief Shakespeare podcast. I'm Charlotte Aline. And I'm Danielle Cohn. <laughs> we are we lied you. to you just we now. We I'm, I'm still Danielle. I'm Charlotte. It's the um, reverse ones. Yeah. It's opposite. It's opposite day. This is for your Cleopatras and your Antonies. For those of you keeping score at home, pick your team. Team Edward team. or Jacob. Team Cleopatra or Team Antony. Well, there's no... We. It was... For a brief and shining moment, we thought it was a play about a love triangle because we confused the Caesars. We did confuse like, the Caesars, fools. which, to be fair, the play never clarifies that there are two Caesars. Never. We had to do historical research to realize we were dealing with a different Caesar. Yeah. So... Cleopatra has one great line where she's like, is this... When things are starting to go badly for her, she's like, is this punishment because I've been shit-talking Julius, who's dead? Yeah. So, The answer uh, is, maybe. Should we, do you want to start with Antony or Cleopatra? Cleopatra. we're going to talk about the characters now. Yeah, we're going to just sort of meander through this play yeah. again. Yeah. Again, but different. Again, a second one time. More, one more again. Cleopatra. Oh, she's so cool. Uh, she's so cool. I, I do think there's something interesting about a character like this who's so clearly like a hateful woman through a male gazy lens and yet reading it I'm like yeah she's the best yeah. thing about the play she's Fuck the up, best Leo. thing about um, honestly she I think is one of the only reasons people read this as a tragedy yeah because she does her death she plays it pretty straight and like her pain is clear I don't know she establishes at the top that she's playing all these crazy mind games yeah and that she's so aware <laughs> of it. Work and, really. But even, like, she's just so aware of, like, come, tell me all these things, but don't speak to me. Like, Yeah, she, yes. But, but because she's established that she's aware of it, it feels like, rather than, like, the ramblings of a crazy woman, it feels like a woman who's, like, an ironic jokester with herself. It a little does. Bit. It does. There's an element of that, especially in in some of her stuff to Antony, where she's definitely like and charming, and charming, where she's trying to manipulate him, and she also does a lot of like, tell me where they are, don't talk to me. She's very mercurial, but she she does have kind of that like I don't know. It, it's hard to explain because I feel like as a good and dutiful twentieth. 
20, what century is it? 21st century. Mm-hmm. 21st century woman. I'm supposed to like hate the manipulative femme fatale character type, but it's so much fun. It's she's, so fun. She's got big Amy and Gone Girl meets uh, Selena from Veep energy where she's like manipulative and doesn't really have a strong grasp of morals and has a lot of power and is really jealous and grasping but in a very fun way she's the kind of character that i feel like you don't get in women that often or if you do they're so maligned that they become this like evil harmful caricature and you don't as often get to like have fun with a female anti-hero who's just straight garbage yeah but she's just like she's hot garbage in the best way oh totally she's fun trash again that's why in the last one we kept comparing her to like the kim kardashians of the world like yeah she's just rich crazy brilliant trash she's also like we don't see her she's not that smart yeah i mean you know i mean she's manipulative but she doesn't do anything good in this play oh that's true she doesn't do any like the real the historical cleopatra was brilliant she was famously very witty she was like a brilliant strategist and a a very smart and capable leader but this cleopatra uh, she's just perfect she's the dumb rich bitch we all secretly think it would be really fun to be yeah she's stupid i mean it's just that she's not like this i i feel like the way the play is talked about because she's the best thing in it people often try to paint her as though she's one of shakespeare's great heroines and therefore she is really smart and regal and incredible and i mean she's she's funny and she's passionate and she's i mean yeah she is smart in the way that she manipulates antony but also a lot of the humor is not with her it's at her like yeah. in all of the stuff with the messengers fucking phenomenally funny. Yeah. But it's not a joke to Cleopatra. And no. It's not funny if it's a joke to Cleopatra. It can maybe have a leg of awareness or winkiness from the messenger, but she's... I think also the thing about Cleopatra in so many of these scenes is she's the straight man. Mm-hmm. Um, Sometimes, yeah. Not, not always, but in a lot of them. Like, even the scene with the clown mm-hmm. at the end where the person comes in mm-hmm. to give her the ass. Part of what's funny about that scene is she's like, give it to me, give it to me, give it to me, give it to me. And they're like, this worm? This crazy worm? You know, or even, you know, Antony railing at her. That's a less fun straight man. He's not being funny. Yeah. But she's not the one doing the, like, tempestuousness. Yeah. She does have the sort of... Plenty of um, tempestuousness in other parts of play. She does have the sort of, like, she'll she'll make the best of any situation. She's always she's always looking out for one, number one. She's always going to try to weasel her way out of it. Yeah, like the scene where Octavius is like, obviously you didn't mean to do these bad things. Yeah, and, and she's yes, like, obviously yes. not. I think it's like a nod to that part of her, which, yeah. again, I think gets sort of weirdly combined in these kinds of plays, the, like, historical figure that we know yeah. and the person who was written in the play because we're always going to be bringing a little bit of that other knowledge into it. Yeah, and she definitely does suffer from the Elizabethan's idea of what an Egyptian queen was like. I think it's interesting that A lot of exoticism. There's a lot of exoticism, and it's interesting that she's so similar to the character of Dido, for all you AP Latin students know what I'm talking about, uh, who's a character in the Aeneid, which is an ancient Roman poem that was actually commissioned by Octavius Caesar once he grew up and renamed himself Augustus. Gus, and Gus. Gus, Gussie created this, or uh, commissioned this poem from Virgil, and it's got this North African queen in it who kills herself over her boyfriend leaving her, and she is kind of that character, she's that archetype. It's very fair to, like, any accusations of Orientalism 
on this play I wouldn't argue with. I think there's definitely that element to it. And and again, because it's being written from Shakespeare, who's just a white dude in England, yep. there's a lot of her being like, yes, I am the serpent of the Nile. Yeah. In a way that's like, okay. All right. So that element is is absolutely there. And if that is enough to turn you, you off know, this play, ruin the play for you, that is Go more than okay. Yeah. Um, hey, if, if there's, I mean, you don't have to read Anthony and Cleopatra. <laughs> no, honestly, I think, and again, I, I think what also makes me sad, or not like sad, sad, but I am genuinely, if you find a funny version, like send it to me. I want to know if other people it, stage it like this. Yeah, but I think the modern element of it kind of, one, you could do, I mean, this, we're just slowly building this like Kardashian production of yeah. where, you know, she was a, like from a, a Greek dynasty who was very into the idea of being Egyptian, that could definitely be a commentary on some of like Kim's behavior and actions and life and yep. outlook. But also even within this stereotype, she still gets to subvert some elements where like she's not Dido who's so madly in love with her lover that she kills, kills herself. herself. She doesn't. Doesn't. And also even the, this is sort of neither here nor there about that, but there are so many parts of even within this like toxic and not aspirational relationship mm -hmm. that are so relatable. Mm -hmm. Like the, the moment, like one of my favorite moments is when Antony says to her, and all alone tonight we'll wander through the streets and note the qualities of people. Yeah, people He's watch. like, we're going to go people watch babe and it's like when you know she's upset about him having married someone else that the first thing she wants to know is is she taller than me like how does she look what's her voice sound like is he gonna like her better like that's not yeah. noble but also who has not instagram stalked their ex's new girlfriend it's not a, a moral judgment on someone's character to be like yeah your boyfriend is married to someone else what you gonna do it is it is I think that my most like charitable staging of this play to make Cleopatra more of a hero would be to make her arc kind of going from this place of like such insecurity that she's a literal queen of one of the biggest world superpowers and she's hanging around this dumb asshole. Yeah, who's like who yelling at who her. Who doesn't treat her well. And she's so insecure about his first wife and then his second wife. Going from that to being like, you know what? I'm not going to kill myself because of Antony. Totally. I'm, I'm going to kill my... I mean, look, I, I'm, I'm backing myself into a corner here. Obviously, it is Please never it yeah. is never character growth or like redemptive for a character to kill themselves. But the fact but within that... Within the framework of what Shakespeare wrote Within the framework us, of this play. The fact that her ultimate decision is based in, I don't want to see myself defeated. I don't want to see my countrymen subservient to Romans, I'm gonna go out on a high note and hope that my kids are able to wrangle the country back, is at least she kind of- On her she, own terms. She, she ends on a note of valuing herself more than Antony and more than her relationship with Antony. Totally. So, you know, that's something. And again, even within that, part of what's fun about her is that she does kind of emotionally run circles around these people for a lot of the play. Mm -hmm. Like, there's a, one of my, again, favorite lines is Charmian goes, be comforted, dear madam. And Cleopatra says, no, I will not. <laughs> She's so funny. Or that when 
Antony goes to tell her that Fulvia is dead, she immediately turns around and she's like, so you're not sad about her death? So what? You're not going to be sad when I'm dead? I guess yeah. this is how you're going to treat your wife? Well, good to know. It's that all of that, on the one hand, is strong and funny and smart, but on the other hand is so rooted in such a deep insecurity. Yeah. So it's also kind of fun to just see a woman that smart also be insecure. Like, just as a full-fleshed yeah. character, not as any kind of feminist icon. Um, yeah, well, this play, I mean, the, the historical Cleopatra, you can make lots of arguments whether or not she was, like, a kick-ass girl boss. Yeah, murder your brother. Yes, hashtag. Lean in. Yeah. <laughs> Lean in, murder your brother. Uh, <laughs> Please don't murder your don't, brothers. This podcast does not I don't endless think, murdering I, anyone. I don't think we have enough cultural capital to convince anyone to murder anyone's don't brother. Don't murder anybody, uh, guys. She, to be fair, she also murdered her sister. But <laughs> that's equality. That's feminism. That's equity, everybody. Feminism. <laughs> also, sorry, but so like Arsinoe, when her little, Cleopatra's little sister, when she was like 11, she overthrew Caesar with like some scheming plan for a hot second and then was defeated and was uh, sent to be like a vestal virgin or some kind of priestess virgin in um, Rome. And like 10 years later, Cleopatra had her killed with hitmen. I just like to imagine that Woof. that girl knew for 10 years that her big sister was going to murder her. Yeah. And also, did Cleopatra let her dangle because of that psychological yeah. torture? Yeah. So, you know, Cleopatra maybe was a Capricorn. She She's so... She's so fun in a way that, like, Disney villains are fun. Exactly. That's what's fun about her. We're not arguing, again, especially for this play's version of her, but even so much of the history of her. It's fun in an Ursula way. I mean, I think... just, like, reveling in <laughs> what you are. Yeah, like, the history of her, I think you can actually point to a lot of, like, good, good things, things she did for yeah. the Egyptian people. Totally. And ways in which she tried to be less of a, like, invading ruler than the previous Ptolemies. But in this play, absolutely, she's just, like... She's, like, maleficent. She's just, like luxuriating in it and also she she does have that relatable insecurity even though she's a beautiful queen yes Cleopatra you deserve better you deserve better than this old gross man yes even though he did do a really good job in debate club in the previous play speaking of him do you have anything else to say about him about Antony yes (laughs) he's he's barely a character I mean his character traits are like angry and horny yeah he's pretty (laughs) horny and also it's i don't know it is genuinely interesting for me coming off of julius caesar with that context but i don't know a la as listen to our last episode our extensive metaphor about trolls too Mm -hmm. like i don't even know if you need to consider that context for Mm -hmm. this character yeah that he's just kind of like irascible (laughs) and like yeah like proudly irresponsible in this way i don't know i also wrote down that when fulvia's dead he has this interesting monologue where he's like clearly feels bad about Mm -hmm. it and he like doesn't want to feel bad about it but it's it's like buddy's blues from follies he's like oh as long as you wanted me i didn't want to be with you i want to be cleopatra but now that you're dead and i can never have you i kind of want you yeah but then he never really returns to that because he immediately goes back to cleopatra and she runs and circles marries. around all the time also like the fact that he marries octavia and then he's immediately like 
I'm over this. Anyway, um, back to Cleopatra. Octavia seems to kind of want to sleep with her brother. I'm, I'm going back to <laughs> my main girlfriend. <laughs> you know, and, and he has war opinions. Again, the, a lot of this play, if you want to take it face value, is a lot of military stuff. I just don't think that that's the heart of where the meat lives. <laughs> yeah, it's also... Um, and it feels like it is so dense that it doesn't really expect you to follow it that closely, but that could be me being charitable to us. Yeah, I think it's also one of those context things where we just don't know. I mean, presumably some historian knows, but we don't know how much the Elizabethans would have had context for this play, like how much Roman history they just had on lock. Because if you do know a lot of Roman history, then this becomes more of a, you know, like the crown or whatever, where it's like the story of one monarch during this piece of history that you kind of at least know vaguely what was happening. Exactly. Which makes it a little okay that they don't explain the history. But if you don't know the history, you're just like, Pompey? Wars? Yeah, sure. We're having a party on a boat. There's a pirate. Okay. Again, and I, I'm inclined to believe that they would have known at least a fair amount because yeah. they never specify which Caesar. Like yeah. she has all these lines about her ex Caesar and we have a character named Caesar and they yeah. never bother to be like, obviously <laughs> we're talking about the other Caesar. Makes me feel like probably people... There's like one or two lines about to Octavian mentioning like your father, meaning Julius Caesar. And there are like one or two lines about... Like what made us look it up is that one character is like... Caesar plowed her and she cropped and we were like did Cleopatra have a baby with Caesar and then we and looked it like, up and oh, yeah. she did yeah and also there's not as much uh, acknowledgement of the fact that everyone's related as I want there to be like yeah. Caesarion is Octavian's cousin yep or brother by adoption because he was adopted by Caesar so it's just wait another thing there about is, oh wait real fast go, go, ahead, go the, ahead there is one reference to Julius Caesar that I particularly enjoyed which is Pompey says since Julius Caesar who at Philippi the good Brutus ghosted yes are you laboring from which it feels like a classic like any Marvel movie or whatever having an easter egg yeah, mm-hmm. from the previous one where he's like wink wink remember that time that there was a ghost at Philippi yeah even though like none of these characters are at all related to the characters characters from the previous play yeah that it's so irrelevant yeah but the main thing is that this is a way better ending for game of thrones than was in game of thrones <laughs> i just like another thing that makes me so angry about season seven of game of thrones every shakespeare history play is Ma- actually about game of thrones every shakespeare history play makes me still angrier about game of thrones i think i can't get angrier and then i do but <laughs> they like tried to make daenerys evil without allowing her to do anything actually bad beyond her one like dissociative episode where she commits genocide for no reason yeah and i i just these characters made me so i weirdly like i had this longing for like i wish that we could, more Cleopatra, because there are lots of shitty men in TV in shows. And they like, a, they, you know, ask us to like anti heroes. Although I will say, I feel like they're more often we're asked to like boring Jon Snow types. But I weirdly had like a longing for a character like Cleopatra who's just so unhinged in this way that likable female characters are not allowed to be. It's true. And it makes you think about like the Elsas and the Elphabas. Like there is this archetype of the woman who's like, you know what? I've been shat on by society so much. Fuck you. I'm going to go be a magical queen in the woods somewhere. But yet, they almost never are harmful or like by the time they go into that period, I don't know, like even your Elphaba who literally becomes like the Witch of the West, when we're seeing it from her side of the story, she wasn't being that bad. Whereas this would be like a descent into that but plus 
becoming Maleficent. Well, but this isn't even that, because those are characters who are, like, sweet girls who are just, like, pushed to the side by society. No, that's what I'm saying, is we have that, but we don't have the that and then becoming... No, but Cleopatra isn't that. She, just from the word go, she's like, I'm the queen and this is my boyfriend who I hate. Yeah. She's just like, I mean, she's kind of Cersei Lannister-y, but she isn't even like, she doesn't have that coldness. Like, she's passionate. Yeah. But, like, we just, we don't have, we have lots of stories about, like, sad, shy little girls who, like, find their power, but no stories about, like, powerful women just like kind of abusing it and having fun with it which again like not aspirational but just fun yeah it's just fun but yeah i don't care about antony what else does he do i don't know i mean email us if you have thoughts about antony <laughs> what you He's will podcast um, he just he loves her i guess but the, it seems like the historical antony loved her more than this antony i don't know i will say it feels that it's it's weird because it it's so dependent on how you play these things and yeah. especially because i did look up some videos of productions this morning like mm-hmm. i do think there are ways to play those scenes straight that while i find them less interesting they are more loving or more passionate even his like yelling at her like how, however you reconcile the end of those scenes can determine how we feel about that relationship i think it's toxic regardless but it can be toxic in a sexy way um <laughs> You know, we love our Edwards and our whoever. There are plenty of toxic relationships that we put up in pop culture and culture in general. But I, what I like about this one is that it's at no point pretends to be a good relationship. Like, I think anyone who reads this play and thinks it's about star-crossed lovers... I don't know what play they're reading. Like, whereas I agree. Uh, you're like Ella's and Bedwards are, you know, when I read that, I thought that was the perfect relationship. Yeah. Whereas I love that Antony and Cleopatra, it's just like, it's like, it's reality TV. It's exactly. the same feeling you get from watching reality TV where you're like, I know these people are awful. It's okay to laugh at them because they're rich. And, and here we are. Here they are causing drama. Exactly. And, and the fact that from the beginning of the play, everyone around them, except for, you know, Barbus is like they're trash like their relationship is making him bad at his job Charmian's like you're really mean to your boyfriend Mm -hmm. maybe examine that and again I do think even that scene is sort of a fun subversion because it reminds me of scenes that we see in like comedy of errors there's a Mm -hmm. scene where Luciana's like you know Adriana if you want a man you could just be really nice and subservient Mm -hmm. and we see in that play like Luciana is the more loved and adored Mm -hmm. one in your taming of the shrew same conversation between Bianca and Kate Mm -hmm. and Bianca is the more desired one but in this play you've got Charmian who has no love interest and Cleopatra who's the hottest thing in Egypt Uh and so it's kind of fun to see Shakespeare give the same advice to this character and have it so roundly rebuked in a relationship that is toxic but is sexy I don't know again sexy in a like love island is sexy but I don't want to date any of those people or like it's sexy people trapped on an island is the premise or too mm-hmm. hot to handle or keeping up with the Kardashians or whatever trash TV you want to watch. I've seen 90 Day Fiance. 90 Day so Fiance. That's my, I don't well, know if they're Day, hot or not. Well, no, they're not hot and it's also sad because for the most part they're not rich either. There's always like one rich guy and his like 18 year old child bride. No, 90 Day's Fiance is more of like a deep dive into the darkness underpinning the so-called American dream. Do we want to talk about Caesar? Um, I think we covered him. He wants to fuck <laughs> his sister. He's bummed when his adversary dies in like a very fun, also kind of a Disney villain-esque way. We're like, 
not all Disney villains, but some of them. Or like, Hashtag I guess you're Captain Hooks. Yeah. Like, like somebody whose whole, or you're Inigo Montoya's in a way. Like uh-huh. someone whose whole like purpose is about like defeating this person. And then yeah. when they defeat them, they're like, well, I've been in the revenge business so long. I don't yeah, know what to do what anymore. To do now. So yeah, yeah mm-hmm. he's like fun for those reasons. I don't know. I, I do want to mention the horny eunuch because I thought that oh, was really yeah. funny. Oh, yeah. Mardian. Mardian. Like, I think Cleopatra's, like, the spider. peeps it, are, who actually, I the guy who played, I don't know if it was Mardian, I actually think it was Procules uh-huh. in the production I found, looked exactly like Marius the spider. That's fun. I was like, is it that actor? And then I didn't look it up because I had to do other things. Um, <laughs> Patrick Stewart also was in this play. There's lots of people who've done Anthony and Cleopatra, I yeah. guess. In the history of the world, mm-hmm. but yeah, I, again, in in service of our argument, my core argument from mm-hmm. this pair of episodes, which is that Antony and Cleopatra is a good play and a comedy. It's a good comedy. It's a good good comedy. It's a bad bad tragedy. It's a bad tragedy. It's tragedy. It's it's, not, it's too funny to be a tragedy, and it's also like the stakes are low, and you don't care about the people. Yeah. If, if you don't care about the people, it's a bad tragedy because you don't care that they are destroying mm-hmm. themselves. And even like you can argue it, for the tragedy portion, I guess Cleopatra's undone by her own hubris and. Antony by his passion, his like blindness. Oh, yes. Um, but like that's boring. Um, <laughs> we did that play. We did Julius Caesar already, and we did Star Cross Lovers, and this isn't that. But you've got all of these like fun, silly side characters, mm-hmm. which are also harbingers of good comedy, mm-hmm. and they do a whole bit where they're like, "You're a eunuch. You're probably not horny." And he's like, "Oh, really? I'm a eunuch, but I'm really horny." And I think that's funny. And the, again, then they slut shame Charmian. They do. And the soothsayer is also silly and sort of pointless. Like, he does get him to go back to Egypt, yes. but he probably would have anyway. And he, ha- he does another soothsaying thing at the top that doesn't really matter. Yeah. I like the implication that Antony brought the soothsayer from Egypt to Rome. And the soothsayer is like, I want to go home. And so he tells Antony, like, you have to go back to Egypt. And again, in feeling like this play does sort of play off Julius Caesar, it's such a difference between Julius Caesar, the soothsayer is really serious and he doesn't heed him and it's part of his downfall. Whereas in this one, the soothsayer is like kind of silly and he does heed him and it doesn't matter. Yeah, I for a hot second I was like, oh, it's going to be like the witches in Macbeth and it's going to... No. 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 Again, there's just so many, even when they're like in battle, things that are just like funny, like Scarus, our favorite character mm-hmm, from sure. the battle... He's like wounded and he's talking about it and he says, I had a wound here that was a T, but tis now made an H. (laughs) Like, that's so silly. Yeah, it's like Monty Python Arrested Development-esque comedy the whole way through. I will say that those last couple of scenes where Cleopatra is just won't shut up about not wanting to be led in a triumph are like probably the least funny but then you have the snake delivery clown shows up and you have again even her scene with mark antony which i watched this morning and Mm -hmm. it was played very straight and they were both very sad and it was very passionate the words on the page are her mowing over him and him trying to get a word in edgewise while he's on his deathbed and has theoretically been brought to her tomb bleeding the whole time like that is dark dark comedy also knowing that the elizabethans loved roman history garbage and dark comedy right and dark comedy but like they loved but like titus andronicus was shakespeare's most lucrative play uh like they loved that stuff and it was very popular at the time this play really feels like a cash grab for yeah. Shakespeare. It's just like, yeah, whatever. Yeah, people, again, it's a Marvel movie in its yeah. way. It's not yeah. superheroes, but it is that like 
People like Severos. You've heard of these people. You've heard of these people. Here we had them are. in another movie, but we couldn't get all of them back, so just yeah, take the two from the end. Here are these ones. Yeah. Are there any characters other than Eno Barbus we want to talk about? I mean, no. I mean, we've talked about Charmian enough. She's like kind of she's slot cool. in a fun way. She's, she's, she's Gretchen Wieners. Yeah, she's Gretchen Wieners. Yeah. To Cleopatra's Regina George. Agrippa has a few lines. Lepidus is like the old, the, he's like the least fun third of the triumvirate. He gets really drunk in one scene. Yeah, there, again, there's also Tom. like scenes where everybody's drunk. And pirates and oh, like, there are two pirates gone awry. <laughs> there are two pirates who are just like hanging out throughout, which are they're fun. Uh, there are four guards who I think are really funny, and they're like yeah. literally like again in that like winky Shakespeare way that makes it feel like you were saying this feels like it might have been a Blackfriars play. Mm-hmm. We don't know historically. We didn't look it up to nope. see if somebody else knows historically. Refuse. But where they're like, we'll go stand in the four corners of the field, like they're standing in the four corners of the stage, like just things like that that are like silly and winky and also maybe indoors. Yeah, and like literally when you know Barbara dies, one of the guards is like, "Hey, sleeping." It's it's fun. Somebody says for... the phrase crocodile tears. They do. That's fun. Um, well, they don't say the phrase crocodile tears, but they talk about the tears of a crocodile. No, is this crocodile tears? I think is a line. Danielle, you said out loud, is this crocodile tears? Oh, when we read a line that referenced, <laughs> that referenced the Never tears mind. of the crocodile. Yeah, they talk about the tears of a crocodile. <laughs> Again, because they're like talking about all the like, Egyptian things. I quoted myself. I'm basically Shakespeare. <laughs> Eno Barvis is the moral center of the play. Are we pronouncing his name correctly? No, maybe. Hang on. I wanna, Let me, I'm going to pull know. it up and listen to Patrick Stewart say it. Okay. I went to write Cleopatra and Antony because that's the Cleopatra order in my brain that they Order in your heart. I found a pronunciation thing. Eno, but we think we're saying it right. Eno Barbus. Eno Barbus. He is Let's Antony's give him a nickname so it doesn't matter. Should we just call him Barb. Zach? Zach Woods? Barb. <laughs> Barb. Barb. We can call him Barb. That's Barb. funnier. Barb. He's so sweet. He's Zach Woods. He's Antony's right hand man. I was reading him with a very heavy Russian accent for the first few scenes, so I don't really re- remember the content of what he was saying there. But he basically is just like a huge fanboy of their relationship. And just through so much of the play, like the first few acts, every time anyone talks to him, all he wants to do is like describe in detail how they met and what everyone was wearing and how beautiful yeah. it is and how there's no way anyone could ever compare to Cleopatra. And again, we talked about in the in the last one that is he maybe in love with Antony? Is he maybe in love mm-hmm. with Cleopatra? I think you 100% can play it that way if you feel like it. But I love to think he's just shipping them. Yeah. No pun intended because he's got that whole monologue about a ship. He's just got also, yeah, he, he describes it in detail. And also other characters have these interjections where they're like, oh, my, what an Egyptian. And he just keeps going like, yeah, anyway. And then continues to like list off the sails were purple and the deck was gold. And she was dressed in fine linens. And it's just, it's just incredible. And he's also just got a lot of, he's like very earnest. It's, he does feel like the most earnest character Mm -hmm. in the play. Because again, his arc is like, he's got this deep loyalty. And again, choose for yourself why you think that is. But he's got this deep loyalty to this couple. And then first he watches his best friend marry someone else, which Mm -hmm. clearly he feels weird about. Mm -hmm. And then... He watches his friend go to war at sea, even though he's been told not to. And then he watches his friend abandon that war, even though he's got troops there. And everyone around him on the ship is like, wow, Antony sucks. We're going to go be with Caesar. And he's like, I feel bad about going back to Caesar, but I feel like I have to. 
And then, like, I love him in this weird way. So he goes back to Caesar, gets disappointed again, and abandons him. And then his guilt over his own abandonment leads him to kill himself. So it's just this... I also feel like... because Antony sends his treasure. That's why he kills himself. Oh, yeah. Because Antony finds out that... that He's like, where's Anabarbus? And they're like, Anabarbus abandoned you because you've been so bad at war and not paying attention to him. And Antony's like, oh... Oh man, um, you know what? I don't have hard feelings. Send him all his stuff. Send him his treasure and stuff. And so they send that, and Edobarus gets it, and he's like, "Oh, he did well, care about me." I will find a ditch to die in. Yeah, <laughs> he goes and dies in a ditch. And it's just this sweet. I don't know. I mean, I don't think the play needs to get too serious about no. it, but it does kind of feel like, in the way that we were talking about, most of the characters are these rich, selfish assholes mm-hmm. who don't care about anyone. You know, Barbus weirdly feels like the people who get caught up in actually caring about those people. Yeah. Like the people who actually, you know, have worship for these celebrities or the people in those posses who like are nice people who are just like in the wrong place at the wrong time mm-hmm. and become friends with them. Absolutely. Who like in a different situation probably would be more honorable or kind or empathetic people. But mm-hmm. yeah, I don't know. It's, it's this weird, nice juxtaposition of just this like person who wants to do the right thing through the whole play and sees the beauty of this really toxic relationship yeah. that everyone else thinks is kind of like a joke and overly sexualized. And yeah. And he thinks it's just true love. true love yeah and it's also like there is no right thing to do i mean this is really a, a play that makes a case kind of against honor mm-hmm. i mean it is kind of shakespeare's falstaffian streak of not really nihilism but maybe like absurdism of being like is honor that important in a vacuum is it important just to be loyal to people who are like antony mm, maybe not <laughs> And is a, is a relationship like the one Antony and Cleopatra share worth killing yourself over? Definitely not. Maybe not. So yeah, Interbarbus Barb. Barb. Barb from Stranger Things is... He's Barb. Tony Hale. He's Noho Hank from Barry. Yeah. He's, yeah, he's just this... He's every, like, weird, slightly offbeat... Yeah. Earnest. Very earnest. And I think he just really wanted to be, like, an interior designer based on his ship description and ended up as a soldier... <laughs> I love and that. It's, it's sad. Also, people keep making references to be like, you know, Barbus, the strongest soldier ever. And he's always like, yes, I am very strong. Yeah. But even then, there's like one where oh, they're... He's Andre the Giant oh. from... We just watched Princess Bride. And I just read the novel. And yeah. I cried describing the epilogue. Yeah. So <laughs> that's where I am emotionally. Mm-hmm. He, But even those lines, he's sort of like, yeah, but anyway. And I'm sure he's usually played as like a big soldier guy, but... I think it would be fun to see him as this, like, weedy weirdo. Yeah. And now, Goodreads Reviews. I don't really enjoy reading and learning about Roman emperors and stuff, and I also didn't appreciate the references to mythology either. I guess you could say it just wasn't my cup of tea. (laughs) It took from November to March to read. I have a test next week. (laughs) The best character by far was Eno Barbas. (laughs) Yes, Goodreads reviewer. Zombie Queen seduces Revenger of Julius Caesar, thereby homewrecking the SPQR, then kills self in order to avoid self-reflexive theatrical spectacle, which must be exactly like listening to one's own voice on voicemail. (laughs) Don't know why she's a zombie. 
I can just imagine Bill going, ha ha, who needs coherence? I'm Shakespeare. Well, Bill, I need coherence. <laughs> Least ways a little coherence. And when the reader's laughing during a suicide, you know, there's something going on that you didn't intend. The only thing tragic about this is that I know you're capable of much, much better. You are Macbeth, after all. I like that that one's like disappointed. I know, in Bill disappointed in him. Having a one on one talking to. All right. Too historical, kind of hectic. <laughs> I suppose it was bound to happen eventually with all the Shakespeare plays I've read, but wow, one word, dreary. I wish you all the joys of the worm. <laughs> this is a quote from the clown who brings her the snake. <laughs> wish you all the joys of the worm. The only part I liked was the part where everyone died. This sprawling play is excessively vast and devotes far too little to Daenerys. I mean, Cleopatra, yes! Not a fan. This has been Goodreads Reviews. I thought it would be fun to throw out names of different famous Shakespeare characters. Mm, mm -hmm. And what would they be doing during quarantine? I love that. During like modern day quarantine. So they have like Instagram options. So not just like... Sitting. sitting alone and praying to Christ their Lord. <laughs> yeah, no, no, no. Because that's, that we could sort of like blanket family. answer for all of them if it was their time, but yeah. in our time. Okay. Okay. Who do you want to start with? Oh, I, I mean, thought you were going to give me I a name. Think, okay, okay. I think Titus would be baking. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> Like getting really into baking. Why? Hasn't anyone done a Titus Andronicus Sweeney Todd crosser? I'm sure that someone has. That is an idea that my friend Sunny, who is as, one of our only listeners, had in high school. Okay. And so... As soon as I said it, I was overwhelmed with the certainty that someone has done that. Sunny, this is your time to shine. Go for it, Sunny. Go for it. Okay. Yeah, baking. Um, King Lear. Hmm. So he's an old, so he would be posting on Facebook just, I think like erratically no absolutely king lear would be like it's fine it's not that bad and like going out while it's raining and his daughters have to be like no dad you have to stay inside yeah he would be the one who's like i understand it's quarantine but can't i just go over to the parker's house and for dinner i mean king lear doesn't have friends but if he did yeah if he did yeah. if he yeah. was a dad yeah okay he wouldn't he would refuse to um send his fool home with pay yeah <laughs> juliet <laughs> I think would be really respecting the rules of quarantine and also maybe posting like articles about why standing six feet away isn't actual social distancing. Yeah, she would also be FaceTiming with Romeo 24-7. Just nonstop. Yeah. They wouldn't have died. Because they wouldn't have died because, well... If one of their phones died. No, I was gonna... Because there, there is a plague in Romeo and Juliet and it... It's what kills It them. does kill them. So. <laughs> In a roundabout way. They don't die of flake, but yeah. Yes, we um, get there. We get there. Who else is fun uh, bottom. and weird? Oh, Bottom is one of those people who's, he's emailing all of his artist friends to collab on yes. a new, like, quarantine oh art. The, the mechanicals are writing a play over Zoom. They're writing a play over Zoom, <laughs> and they're performing it over Zoom, and he is on, he has one of those Instagram stories that looks like, at the top, it's just, like, a million little dashed lines. Yeah, it just looks it's like just Morse constant. Code. Yeah, absolutely. It's constant. Um, he's doing, like, a weekly, or no, like, a nightly live stream of him doing a different monologue. Absolutely. They're all mediocre. <laughs> <laughs> he does a surprisingly good Titania. 
That's, <laughs> that's irony. That's a that's confused. Player of the um, play. Hamlet. What's Hamlet doing? Oh my quarantine? god, losing his mind. He can't decide whether or not to go to the grocery store. Oh, he's also definitely like going on deep dives through the news. Just like can't oh, put it yeah. down. Oh yeah, he, his yeah, yeah. Screen time is yeah. up to like just sixteen hours a day. Just like doom Eighteen hours, twenty hours a day. He's on Twitter. He's on Twitter twenty four seven. Yeah, and it's getting less and less coherent. Uh-huh. I think Ophelia is getting really into houseplants. <laughs> yeah, she has a lovely succulent garden. She's also, I think, like also losing her mind. Though, I think probably. she's texting Hamlet constantly, and, and as responding. he goes crazier, he's not texting her back, and Aww, it's spiking her sad. anxiety. Beatrice and Benedict. They're just having sex. (laughs) (laughs) Depends on where we are in their play. (laughs) They're having a fine time. They're honestly feeling a little guilty for enjoying the break. Okay. Yeah. Fair. Othello? Depends on which part of the play Um, Othello. (laughs) It really depends. Uh, He... He, I feel like he does probably doesn't have like a great grasp of social media, and his much younger wife Desdemona has to like show him how to social media. Yeah, and then like so many olds on Facebook, he gets like too into it, but is still doing it wrong. Yeah, I feel like maybe he's posting like workout videos on Instagram. Hot how, Julius Caesar. Oh, I was gonna say how it falls off. Uh, Julius Caesar is dead. Uh, he's it, dead. It was Brutus. What's Brutus do? I mean, they're all dead, but at this point, Brutus. It, he's calling his. His congress. Well, he is a congressman. Yeah, <laughs> the, me- the metaphor's getting away from it's, me. It's getting away. Um, I feel like he also maybe is someone who's like, it's not that bad, but then has been reading about it a lot and is posting, being like, did you know that it's this bad? Calpurnia knows it's that bad. Calpurnia knows it's that bad. Calpurnia was one of the people telling the Trump administration Absolutely. in like, you know, January. Oof. Wow, okay, that one got sad. Wait, Helen falls down. Helen falls down. They're just fucking They're drinking. Drunk They're as fuck. Drunk. They've been blackout no, every not, night. Not only are they blackout drunk, Falstaff is definitely taking this opportunity to like go and like rob bars. Also, I think maybe he's using this opportunity. Maybe Hal is doing this. One of them is getting on Tinder and just flirting it up, laying groundwork for later. Sure. I mean, they're both doing that. But I feel like they're the people who are, like, throwing the, like... Caution to the wind? Like, throwing coronavirus parties. It's, like, I, I feel think like that's, that's them. them. It's, like, Hal pre- Pre-graturation. Yeah, pre-Henry V. Yeah. Hal, not Henry. So they're blackout, and they're maybe spreading the virus <laughs> around. Definitely. They're the spring breakers. They're the spring breakers. Uh, Viola and Orsino. I feel like they're just... They're, like, sharing playlists. Orsino's sharing playlists. Orsino is sharing so many playlists. (laughs) Orsino's making specifically curated Spotify playlists depending on the type of quarantine you're having. Yeah, I know, absolutely. And Olivia is posting a lot of selfies. A lot of selfies. And (laughs) Rosalind. Rosalind is like leading like uh, a self-help virtual Virtual self-help or something. Amelia's making masks, I think. What's Helena doing? All, mm. all's well, Helena. Oh, she's all's working well. in a hospital. Yeah, all's well, Helena's saving lives. She's saving she's lives. She's the only one. Who's saving she's the lives. only one who's helping. Portia's like being no. condescending. Portia maybe. Portia's was one working of those from home. Who, like, yeah, I was gonna say she she financially benefited from it in some Absolutely. way. Absolutely, she like she... maybe played the stocks okay through yeah. a tip. Like, yeah, yeah, did yeah, a yeah. Insider, some casual insider trading for sure. Portia is doing insider trading. She's also like trying to be a lawyer from home, and Bassanio keeps being like, "Babe, babe do you, I want to make cookies," out? and she's like, 
fucking like, honey, hold I, on a sec. And she's working in full outfit. She's not oh, she's in wearing power suits. Yeah, yeah, she's power suits on the couch. Mm-hmm. Do they have a cat? Portia and Bassan- <laughs> do Portia and Bassanio, the characters from Merchant of Venice, have a cat? That's my question. Uh, in what? Okay, but if we're going to take, we've taken this metaphor to a weird place <laughs> because I'm like. Oh, yeah. Oh, they're all, like, on the couch making cookies and, like, working, being a lawyer on Zoom. But it's, like, do they have the same opinions of Jews that they do in the play? Because then I hope they're in jail. I mean, yeah. You can't. This is one of those bits you can't look at too hard. It's, like, Othello and Desdemona while, like, pre-murder. Before he murders her. Murder. Yeah, because, like, Merchant, I feel like, is one where you can't take it into the 21st century without making some significant... Alterations. Alterations. We're just going to assume that she's a modern woman. We're just going to assume that she's, like, adopted a kind of, like, neoliberal kind of yeah, racism. Yeah, she's, okay. she's in the middle in <laughs> that play. And so in the play she's where in the she's... In this one, too. She's pretty racist she's, in that play. You know, but so is almost every character. I know. Okay, anybody else that we want to make sure we hit? Aw. I pushed out the chair for the cat, and then she got into it. She's licking her butt. Oh, you know who's not doing well? What, who? Leontes from Winter's Tale. Oh my god, he's losing his mind. Hermione is trying to calm him down. No, I think Hermione got stuck. She and Polixenes were like, had gone to the Airbnb a day early and he was supposed to meet them later because he had work to catch up on, but then his flight got canceled. And so now they're stuck at an Airbnb together and he is home alone with the kid and he's losing his mind. Yeah. We did it. So that, so there you go. That's every Shakespeare character. That's every Shakespeare character. If we missed one, you have it wrong. Yeah, we covered le- definitely everyone. Also, if you have a very clever idea you want to share, then tweet at us with your what this Shakespeare character would be doing during quarantine. I guess, yeah, I guess. Or just email <laughs> no, do us. It. Maybe keep it to just between know. us. You can. I can't stop you. I'm making it interactive, Charlotte. You are. This is my play along at home. You see three doors ahead of you if you want to pick which which door which door one of them always lies one of them always tells the truth and the other one's just a door so let us know what you want to go through (laughs) in the next episode of the podcast thank you for listening people to this one to this this one this episode this part of this play God, what a fun play. Tell people about it. Tell people about it. And hopefully if you're... The play and the podcast. Yeah. Hopefully you you liked this. And especially if you didn't, like, email us about it at whatyouwillpodcast at Mm gmail.com. You can follow us on Instagram at what underscore you underscore will underscore podcast. And Uh, Twitter where what you will cast. Yes. That Um, sounds right. What you will cast. But yeah, we we would really appreciate it. Give us a five-star review. Share it with your friends and your enemies. And feel free to email us with your thoughts, especially a play like this. I know we maybe had a slightly different opinion on it than you did, and we'd love to hear yours. Yeah, tell us how much you hated Antony and Cleopatra. Yeah, tell us your wrong opinion about how it's a tragedy. we loved it. We loved it! I'm Charlotte Aline. And I'm Danielle Cohn. Bye. Bye!
Well, somewhere between Helena and Cleopatra. Cleopatra. Yeah, I feel like I, sometimes I see myself as a Helena, but really I'm a Cleopatra, you know? <laughs> yeah, just like a sexy, dangerous bit. Like, just like, here I am. I'm gonna, I don't know, be a snake. I'm gonna That's her strategically whole thing. have children with powerful Roman generals. And name them, <laughs> name them the sun and Caesar, sun, sun, moon, moon, and Philadelphia. Philadelphia. <laughs>